stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. Have you ever thought about public speaking or being an MC or being a cruise director on a fun ship or any of those kind of things? Uh, Today might be exactly what you've been looking for. I am chatting with Nathan Kassar and he has, he's been an MC and a cruise host and all that kind of stuff for well over 10 years and he's an award-winning MC, by the way. He went from being a schoolyard bullied introvert to a, an onstage extroverted entertainer extraordinaire. So you're going to love this. If you are thinking about a career in that kind of thing or if you're just wanting to uh, like maybe boost your excitement about being a public speaker this is a good one or if you're having a wedding uh coming up soon in particular if you live in sydney uh this might be a good one to you just might want to get nathan to be your mc anyway let's get on with it welcome nathan hi great to be here karen and great to have you here nathan it's fantastic i love you i've been watching some of your videos and you've got oh no I know. And then then let me tell you their faults. No, I'm not joking. I'd be okay. I'd be like, all right, I've got a a pen and paper. Like, let's go, you know. (laughs) No, you're fantastic. You're super high energy. And I absolutely love that. I was watching you doing, um, one of them was uh, the Venga bus is coming. Oh, yeah, mate. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not the only, it's not a novelty. I don't do anything at my weddings at a novelty. Um, That, that actually was the, First, that was back in 2021. Uh, that was actually the very first wedding. So Colin and Sarah, and Colin's actually a good friend of mine now because he's actually in the industry. So he's a he's a DJ as well. He, he has a very he's been in, around for a very long time in the industry. And um, I that was the first wedding back after the COVID lockdowns. That second big one, oh, yeah. the really one that hit hard. And uh, so November 6, 2021, won't forget it. And it was just kind of like my goal of that night was obviously apart from just doing my normal thing was to really give a bit of extra flavor, given that the rules was finally relaxed. You know, there was some like recommendations of if you didn't, if you wanted to wear it, you could wear the mask and so forth. But, but generally there was like a a need to just sort of get us back to to party time. And so, yeah, I I love a good conga line and that, that song's classic. (laughs) So I've done that, uh, that conga line, that song more than once at several of my weddings and it's always a hit. So Oh, I love it. And now everyone listening to this is is now going to have the Venga bus in their um in their brain. And every time we talk about anything, they're, they're going to be walking so. along. Da, 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 da. It's a classic. Oh god, I love it. Now you you when when you're talking about weddings and that, now you are very successful. Um, you know, MC and and all sorts of other things like a host and what have you. Like you sit on the stage, don't sit. You are high energy on the stage, like a rock star. Um, but it hasn't always been like that. So you know, when when you were at school, you were hmm. bullied. And hmm. um, take us back to that time because that was a time when you were incredibly introvert and and not going through a good time. So you know, I'm I'm keen on this transition, but take us back to the school schoolyard if you want. Yeah, I know, of course. The, the, I mean, the, this is, you know, this is the story I've recounted many times in the sense that, you know, it sort of culminated at the at sort of the, the better end of the story, which is you know, skipping out a couple of years, but I eventually ended up creating an anti-bullying program called It's Not Cool to Be Cruel that partnered with the West Tigers uh, uh, Football League as well as uh, the anti-violence, uh, Enough is Enough anti-violence movement with Ken Marslow. But, but to sort of backtrack from that, it took it was a bit of a journey to get there in the first place. Yeah, look, I'll never forget the day. Like there was a singular day I remember I got very burnt into my brain in kindergarten where um I 
you know, I was always bullied just because I was just bright and, you know, wanted to succeed and just was just me. And, you know, like, the, you know, kids are pretty brutal when they're, mm. in, you know, when they're, you know, children. So, you know, they're, I remember one day we were playing dress up or something. It was like all these different things. We had some free time. So kids going around doing whatever they want. And um, I think someone want one of these antagonists of mine, he like wanted one of the wigs or something that I wanted to pick up. And so he's all with the hat or something, a police hat or something. So he's like snatching it off me and I snatch it back. And then he takes it back off me. And I just had enough this day. Like normally I was a pretty plastic kind of like normal, like introverted child. I didn't really say much. Didn't do the confrontation thing. But I just, I just oh, had so much frustration, anger in me. I went and pulled, pulled his hair, you know. <laughs> anyway, she saw it. And so classic story of the, you know, the the victim getting you know, the punishment. And okay, look, you know, to be fair, I deserved it. So I understand it. Like I'm an adult now. I can <laughs> figure that out. Um, so she put me in kindergarten jail, which was in the corner. Now that's not where the story ends though. So obviously I was, I was distraught. I was thinking, oh my God, like I, I don't get disciplined. You know, that's not what I do. I don't do things to, in order to garner discipline. Unfortunately, it ended up being a bit of a, a, a core memory for me because, I mean, bless her, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Hamish, she's an absolute delight of a woman, a very big influence in my early early childhood. But um, she, she accidentally forgot to release me from, oh. from that space. So they're all like, heading out off into lunch and everything and i'm thinking well i guess this is just part of my punishment you know that i have to miss lunch and i have to stay here and you know i'm a i was a yes sir no sir kind of kid so if you don't tell me to go i'm just gonna stay anyway she happened to come back halfway through lunch and saw me in the corner she says what are you still doing i was like well you told me crying oh you told me i was supposed to stay in the corner she goes oh my god she felt so bad and so she, you know, picked me up and got me out with lunch and wiped my tears and said, off you go. And, you know, <laughs> sorry about that. And she felt so bad. So, you know, but I'll never forget that. Not because I want to make her feel bad if she ever hears this, but, and I've, I've recounted this story before, but it's, it was indicative of like this, this struggle that I felt for a long time of, of, you know, not being a confrontational person, but at the same time, every time those few little moments I ended up piping up, you know, I would get in trouble for it. So I just, it was, it was a recurring problem where I was bullied a lot, put on, on the outer because on the, the opposite, like as long as no one was friends with me or were too friendly with me, they were on the better side of the battleground in the, in the childhood, you know, in the, in the, um, in the school ground. Mm. And, you know, I was also put on detention one time because I threw sticks back at people and like, it's just like things that just, it's just, I always caught myself like that. So by the time I got to high school, I was just like so risk adverse. I would do everything possible to avoid those circumstances. Mm-hmm. That all changed though, when I realized that I had this innate desire to become a really good public speaker. And that initially spurned from year six when I was in school and my mate Sebastian, who I still have very, like my best mates to this day, he, um, I never forget turning to him one day when one of my main aggressors in primary school was, he was a really good public speaker and always like doing the competitions and stuff. And so in year six, the only thing I'd ever purposely bombed academically was public speaking competitions. Um, And because it was compulsory every year, as all kids know, I just, just wanted nothing to do with it. It was too exposing for me, way too exposing. And I turned after like four years of doing this, I was sick of like being, shying away from this. I knew I had to succeed at it. So I turned to my man and I said, you know, I'm going to be better than that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be better than that when I get to high school. And he goes, what, you, as if, and then turned around. So I was like, okay, like I'm <laughs> going to prove you wrong, mate. And so I did. I never let him down for, for that for, to this day. He goes, oh, I'll hear this again. Um, but uh, uh, I'm waiting to, I'm waiting for the day he gets married because be, that'll be in the speech for sure. But <laughs> uh, And I'll be like, look at me now. I'm your MC. Uh, which I think would be gold content. But anyway, point is, is that, you know, when I got to high school, I then, I forged ahead. It was sort of this duality between being really exposed as the public speaking kid, the debating kid, you know, the mock trial kid, the kid that was academically successful, but was always still, you know, but it was so exposing. But at the same time, I loved, loved public speaking. I loved the thrill of the prepared speeches. I initially had a love-hate relationship with impromptu speeches, but eventually grew to to love them and to actually really lean into them and to become successful at them as well. And so, you know, I had my fair share of wins at regional and state competitions and so forth on the circuit. But it was not until I, I was actually just a little bit before that, when I was 14, I went on my very first cruise. And that was what really opened my eyes. There was this whole other world where you could be yourself and no one would judge you for 
what you were known for at school. You were just known for who you were in those seven days or whatever. And that, and, but plus that, and just the, the enigmatic presence of the cruise director and what they really brought to the table to completely transform, bring the energy, bring the vibe, bring the excitement, be the mini celebrity on board, be the face of the entire voyage was just mind blowing. And it just showed me that there was another world that I could access if I just worked hard pushed against my aggressors in the most academic and most personally growing sort of development kind of way. And yeah, I, you know, sort of too long didn't read, managed to accomplish that. So, yeah. That's fantastic. I want to talk about cruise ships in a minute, but I just want to go back to the um, anti-bullying um, program that you created. Yeah. For, and and and, you, and it was sponsored by West, Tig- West Tigers Football Club and all that kind of stuff. Where did you, mm. did you, did you go out and, how did it look? Did you go out and sort of present it to other schools or did, did your school? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So the way that it all came about, actually, and I credit mum to this, um, and I know she'll be listening to this at some point, so shout out mum. <laughs> always been the, one of my biggest supporters now. Like, you know, it's like I feel like I should just employ her in my business because, you know, she's always like, a comp, you know, commenting on my my Instagram or Facebook pages, or <laughs> helping. she was there obviously helping out at the beginning with my business as well. Like you know, she's been there from day one. Yeah, um, love her a lot. But uh, I um, so I actually started as a as a competition in the uh, oh geez, what was it called? I forget the name of it now, but it was like the young, it was like a young inventors competition or something. I can't quite, I have to look through my records, but essentially it was some competition that I don't think they do anymore, but it was only for seven and eight. And the idea was, was that you were meant to come up with some sort of either engineering or conceptual program or some prototype of some sort that was meant to change the world or to to deliver to to some tangible problem and solution. (laughs) And so I actually uh, got, I was a part of the state. It was only two levels, the regional and the state awards. And in the first one, I was, I did like this healthy lunchbox thing. It was pretty great, you know, and I actually got to the state award for it and I was, you know, credited for it. And because I knew I only had one more year out of it, I was like, what am I going to do for the following year? There was also a state excellence award where you won a prize. So there was like the best of the best. And I was like, Ooh, I want that so bad. <laughs> so as I am, I'm always that kind of person. Never stop being that. So I, mum actually was the one that inspired me when I was thinking of ideas of what to do. She said, how about you do an anti-bullying program? And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a fantastic idea. Again, super exposing, right? Like yeah. throwing the mirror straight up, you know, and people, you know, but at the same time, that's just the duality of my life. Yeah. I've always just known I've been this ex- highly exposed kind of environment, but at the same time, knowing deep down that as much as it is conflicting, I have to make it work. Yeah. And uh, mum actually came up with the name It's Not Cool to Be Cruel either, which was really cool. And uh, I it was, it was composed of a website that was meant to, uh, along with a whole bunch of like media collateral, like rulers, pencils, bookmarks and pen and, and stickers and so forth. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be presented as like a, 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 like a, a presentation to schools and then I'd provide my own story and then people would supplementarily, supplementarily go to the website and see the posters and it would kind of like be like a conceptual uh, changing of, of culture shift in the school, right? A PSA kind of, you know, a public awareness program that would all tie in together every day by reading the pencils and everything else like that. I was quite enterprising for a child. <laughs> Anyway, I did win that state excellence award and I was really proud of that. And uh, I, um, if anyone knows what the prize was, it was, it was for a chair. I won a furniture chair. So there you go. I I used that for many years. It was actually got quite uncomfortable, but that's another story, but it was, I was proud of that chair. And uh, (laughs) yeah. um, So, so overall, like that ended up actually how it ended up becoming like a bigger thing was I got a random call from a guy named Wayne Cousins who used to, I don't know if he's there anymore, but he used to be the communications and marketing officer for West Tigers. And uh, he called me up one day and he said, I've got an idea. And he put this idea to me and he said, you know, I want to, uh, I want to make, I want to see if we can to make this work. I want to uh, 
Uh, I think with you as like the figurehead, we can go to these schools. And so over a number of meetings and so forth, we came up with this strategy, reformed it, got new partners involved, new new collateral wow. partners and printers and so forth. Lions Club became involved. Rotary Club was my initial um, benefactor, but then the Lions Club of Camden came into it afterwards. And then Cam Marsley also wanted to get involved. So he'd just been in the news after his son. You may remember the story, the, the pizza delivery kid who got shot at his door. Um, it was a big story oh back in the day. God, no, yeah. Know. And so he, Ken Marsley created the anti-violence movement and the enough is enough. And then essentially the whole, his whole sort of, uh, the whole story is essentially about his journey of rehabilitating his, and forgiving his, his son's murderer in, um, in prison. And then, well, he re re shot back to the news in, in sad fashion, actually, unfortunately, um, uh, when he came out of prison, the guy reoffended and he went back to jail. It's kind of a really sad story, but mm -hmm. the better news of it all, the better side of it is, is that Ken Mars has still created an incredibly, uh, inspiring and, uh, impactful influential anti-violence movement anyway so we all partnered together and i did this i did the program at about nine different schools across nine or ten different schools across uh, the new south wales sydney metro mm -hmm. region including my own high school my own primary school etc and uh yeah like i'll never forget this one moment actually it was really really cool i uh i remember this one moment where a kid came to me and he was so excited because he had he is an autistic child and he'd been bullied quite a lot. But his favorite team was the West Tigers. And the reason why I know all of this stuff is because the mum reached out to me on email uh, 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 shortly after it came about. And she was the one that actually inspired the school to get it involved on behalf of her child. The really cool thing was that the her son one day was this bullied child where kids didn't understand. He's part of one of those, well, you know, the singular, mm. the small little special needs school. After my visit, what had happened was, is that he'd actually brought his, his football to school and he got it signed by one of the oh, West wow. Tigers players that came, joined us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the moment that that happened, when the, when the West Tigers players left and all the, the ceremony was over, all the kids started wanting to get to know him and was like really jealous that he like, but in a really friendly way about yeah. and wanted to know more about how he'd come about being able to get the signing and stuff. So, you know, I was able to create this moment out of my story and my journey. I was able to create a, a moment for this one particular kid who, you know, had been down, down and out uh, just like I had, but for different reasons. And that was really heartwarming. You know, I, I, I'll never forget that particular email. And I was just grateful that, I was able to make a difference. You know, I don't know where they are. I, I was a young kid, so I lost a lot of connection to keeping the momentum with the program, but um, you know, I've still got all my records somewhere. And I even did a, you know, I, I was, I had uh, channel 10 do like a, a media <laughs> thing in my house one day. It was kind of cool. Actually. It was like, I was preparing for all of this kind of stuff early in life. You know, the daily telegraph did a, did a spread on me at one point. I think you can find it on the article on somewhere online, somewhere, um, a young me with, with again, no beard. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it was, it was quite the time and it uh, certainly as much as I regretted some degree, it's sort of falling to the wayside, you know, life begins to take over, yeah, uni yeah. takes over and, uh, and all that, but it was definitely something that I hold dearly and it was a big, big part of me recovering and becoming the the reformed introvert extrovert as I call myself now. So. Yeah, I love that story. And I love the I love that when you're talking about that one kid. And I'm sure I'm I'm very, very sure that you will have impacted many, many, many kids. And you just that you didn't hear the story all the stories. But I, I always say that if you can if you can impact one person with something you do, you know, that's mm -hmm. a success. And so absolutely it, it could be saving that one life. And I just think that's Critical. Well, I love that. Yeah, I love that story. Now let's go back to the cruise ships. No, I'm not, mm. not, 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 not trivializing your anti bullying. No, 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 I no, think no. That's no, fantastic. I, I, but of course, I want to talk about your cruise. Ship. How old did you say you were when you first went on that? Fourteen. Uh, I joined the the no, Grand no, Princess. No, when you oh, first. Oh, when I went on that first cruise. Yeah. Uh, I was fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. I went on a. I I went on the. Oh, I won't say the cruise, but anyway, it was a it was a fun ship, and um mm. and <laughs> I this is years by ago. the fact that you're hiding that, I feel like you're going to say the fair star. <laughs> I was going to say that. No, look, I know nothing wrong with the fair star, the fun ship. No, no, it was a great ship. It I just fun. I just know you're hiding it because of how old the ship is, but <laughs> but that. that 
<laughs> Trust me, you think I don't know these things. I did say 20 years ago. It might be 30 years ago. It might be even more than that. <laughs> oh, trust me. People have a lot of fond memories of that ship. I mean, I'm not part of that generation, but I know when I was on the Pacific Sun, which is now a scuttled ship itself, so it doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I kind of have my own story about that as well, I guess, now in a different generation. Uh, people, when I was on, when I worked on ships, would always talk about the Fair Star, you know. Oh, it's, you know they, so yeah. I hear you, don't worry. Fair Star, yeah, it was great, it was great actually. But except, you know, I was locked in a cabin, you know, with my auntie, and it was kind of small. <laughs> and, and then we got, um, uh, you know, seasick, and well, I got, yeah, I got seasick, but there was also the flu or some other bug, you know, that was going oh, around. Yeah, and so always, everybody yeah. was sick. And I was like, and then these two two groups of the two different um, cultures of the crew started fighting. Um, oh, gee. Someone tried to throw someone overboard. It was actually oh, quite. Wow. <laughs> that is intense. I, we didn't never had anywhere near as intensity as, as that. That is that is a lot. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was. It was very intense, and I think the best part was there was a celebrity on board, and you know I got their pizza with her, and it was fantastic. But um, <laughs> you know we only see above the above the deck, you know basically yes. we only see what what goes on below there. Like what's life at sea really like? Because I only oh, went once. Like what's it like continually, continually? Well, I, I yeah, let's put it this way. Uh, life at sea below deck is, <laughs> is is very different when you're on the fair star than when I joined in 2015. I will I will preface that because it was a much more of a wild west. It was definitely there was some unfortunate cases that occurred with carnival, some big high end cases that uh, some really bad guest and uh, crew interactions that occurred around the beginning of the millennia that basically transformed the entire industry. And I, I agree with all the changes that occurred because realistically, you know, you had a lot of, there was, there was a lot of not so wonderful things going on um, between in with that mix. And so, however, how the cruise industry is at the moment and how it is in general, what people can expect. Look, you have 40 plus nationalities working on board. Oh. There, are, there are Croatians and Serbians who, you know, I guess, you know, they, they, they say that they're rivals and whatnot. They work together beautifully alongside each other. You have this beautiful melting pot. That's just one example of, of many different sort of in the, in the greater wider world, you know, competing quote unquote uh, nationalities who perhaps would be inclined if they're not so progressive to want to perpetuate racial stereotypes and, 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 and conflict and so forth. But on board that kind of thing gets staved out really quickly. Mm. And so it's 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 a beautiful environment that truly fosters happiness and cohesiveness and allows for uh just this this just just this party. It's just like you go past the crew party door, the crew crew party door is brilliant, the crew only door. And if you go to anyone like a crew party night, like they're just so fun. Now it's a little bit changed since COVID and I have joined, I did a contract on the Coral last year, uh, which I was able to see more of like, I was going to go back to some friends and see the kind of how things are going now. And it is quite different. It's recovering still. But generally I've got a lot of beautiful memories of, of celebrating lots of different parties and uh, social events and, and going off to shore and having a good time as well, which is all part of that sort of below deck atmosphere too, getting off and yeah. seeing the world in a, in a way that, you know, most guests don't even get to see because we just, you know, want to immerse ourselves in local environments. We get to go to those ports often. So we want to explore new things. Depending on your rank, it can can be a bit of a different experience as well. I will admit I was lucky to have had the the privileges of it being a, a one-stripe officer while on board. So I had an officer's uh, stu- cabin and I had an yeah. officer's steward who would clean my cabin regularly, whereas other grades of, of crew on board or staff on board had bunking scenarios and they yeah. had to uh, take care of their own facilities independently. But, you know, we all we were all subject to our crew, you know, our drill, emergency drill procedures i was the first in charge of muster station um but you know i had to train them all on and, and learn, know the protocols and we all, all had to do the drills while you guys are offshore uh you know we all have responsibilities that that relate to uh you know making sure we're on at, back to the ship on time and so forth but there's a lot of it's, it's just there it is it is generally one really big happy mm. family 
different ships will have slightly different cultures on board, but typically there are there are own little sort of microsm of um of of a family that really do bond around each other, do help each other, do try to things are going on back home. We're there to support one another. Mm. There definitely people aren't left alone. And uh there's just something intangible. There's about that five percent, even if I took you through all the career, showed you every little nook and cranny, gave you the biggest lecture, you know, new, you know, <laughs> I've had mum and dad come aboard. They love cruises, but yet there's just something there's that 5% that I'll never be able to ever get across to somebody unless they've been on ships. And it's yeah. funny because recently I went to, I, sorry, I went to, I did a wedding recently in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. And uh, as soon as I finished my outro and I get that's on my intro for the bridal entrance, I usually get this, this happen quite a lot where people say, Oh, would you consider cruise ships? And I go, yeah, like I, you know, was and they go, oh yes, I we could totally tell from like from from the moment you open your mouth. But on this particular occasion, uh, I got someone called up, called me over, and they said, uh, "You're a cruise director, weren't you?" And I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "I was cruise staff with uh, with Disney as well." So I was like, "Oh, oh wow. my god!" And so like we were like obviously the whole night reminiscing. We were just talking that 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 five percent extra language that she's unique to us. It was just such a beautiful. Like in Australia, you don't get that too often where you encounter people being on ships in the same job. Yeah. And so it was uh, a real delight to reminisce and talk about sort of each other's companies and what was different. We you know we obviously know the differences, but firsthand experiences is, is always good to share. But uh, yeah, there's a slight intangibility I'll never be able to get across on any podcast, but certainly. Uh, it's it's a it's a great time. It's grueling if you don't like hard yeah. work. It's it's tough if you don't like not being in the same place all the time. If it's it's also excruciating if you don't like following procedures and roles and responsibilities and having lots of this, like like responsibility placed on your shoulder. But if you can move past all that and the low pay uh, for an Australian anyway, um, it's uh, it's definitely a a career worth considering if you're willing to put in the hard work. And I credit so much of who I am now to it. Wow. Yeah, I remember the cruise director on there and I remember all the shows and it was, it was, it was great energy. I don't know how you do it without being seasick. Um, I spent most of my time <laughs> up on deck watching the watching the waves go by and I'm just not a cruise person. But, you know, it was, yeah, I, I, I remember one of the things that when you talk about that 5%, you know, like a lot of people are on there and they're doing their thing and they're spending time with the family and in the pool and out of the pool and doing that kind of stuff. Because I spent a lot of time looking over the side and yeah. I wasn't providing burly, but, you know, while I was looking, I could see fishing lines coming from the kitchen, you know, out of the out of the windows and and they I were mean, actually catching fish. Yeah, that's like one of those things that definitely doesn't happen now. Um, <laughs> but back in the day, oh, there was, it's, but, you know, it's funny, there are remnants of, of that kind of like, like that kind of thing that really is like a massive no-no these days. I'll give you an example. Here's something fun that a lot of people probably don't know about unless you've spoken to crew. So there's a there's the concept of, um, and there's multiple cruise lines that have this, there's the concept of the noodle man. Now the noodle man, there's also the massage man as well, but it, it works in the same way. But the noodle man is a lot more controversial because typically you know, uh, uh, international uh, safety laws prohibits crew from having uh, cooking, you know, implements inside their cabins, just like passengers aren't allowed either. Yeah. Now that obviously makes sense, but there's this, there's always one or two noodle men who are on board <laughs> who you can literally call as a black, like a, like this sort of like a black market guy. And there is a bit of a black market um, where you can call and not that I never did this. I mean, I, People going, oh, you're lying. And I genuinely didn't do this. I didn't I didn't need to spend my money this way. But I know people did. You call the number and they'd be literally making noodles in their cabin. Like they and this is food oh that comes God. from the galley because most of the people yeah. with the same nationality, so they all sort of like black market get the food from. Now, cruise lines obviously don't enjoy the fact that this goes on. They do we do regular crew uh, rounds where you're supposed to, you know, if this equipment gets caught, you get fired, you get sent off the ship. Also, mm. it's, it's very, very, very against policy. So I and I'm not not by any stretch endorsing it, nor do I think that it's right that it happens. But these are just the kind of things that do happen. 
when you've got an entire ecosystem dominated by a couple of main nationalities, mostly for princess, it's Filipinos and Indians, mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of Indonesian mixes in there and some South American countries and Eastern European countries. When you've got large conglomerates of, of nationalities, there is a bit of a communal sort of aspect to it all. And so that often then can create these sort of like sort of adjoining sort of parallel communities that go alongside the mainstream, you know, versus the not so mainstream uh, communities sort of, and these are the kind of things that can come out of it, but uh, there's a little bit of a secret there. Um, But no, if you go on a ship, don't, don't expect to be able to get a whole, you, you don't need the noodle man to get you food. Room, <laughs> room service is great enough. Trust me. The main dining room is a lot better. It's just one of those like sort of small comforts that, that come from, you know, not having access to that food, particularly the times of night you can ask yeah. for it too. Uh, but um, definitely like one of those little secrets of, of below deck that I believe still occurs today. So <laughs> I'll tell you what, I think that's funny. Now, <laughs> so you also do like weddings and corporate events and all that that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and, and I've been doing that for a long time as well. I've been on stage for since I was 15. So giving away my age, 50, uh, 45 <laughs> years, 45 years. So um, it's it, it people see it as a glitz and glamour. Do you, you know, oh, oh, what that'd be so good. You know, it's so... But it's not. So tell what what's it really like? What's you know, or like um let's say weddings. So hmm. what what what's it really like? Are you gonna are you gonna spill the spill the beans on anyone? <laughs> Look, I will I will preface this and say like I, I truly love weddings. I really do. They're a great bread and butter for me in the sense that it's the highest volume that I do throughout the year. I mean, I did 50 weddings in 2022 as an example. So and I love wow. that and I want those numbers to increase. I'd love to do it probably around 75 weddings per year. 100 if, you know, depending on the demand and how things go and also depending on how many corporate events I get as well. But certainly, like, it's a great number. I'm very proud of it. But it also is like I'm part of 50 people's memories. I'm part of 50 people's journeys in life. I'm part of 50 people's special day. And that is really special for me that I've been trusted so many times in one year just to to deliver these these beautiful memories and, uh, you know, perfect flawless happy wedding evenings and receptions that you know they're going to last a lifetime honestly look it's a way it's i think with any kind of event and any kind of career just like ours it's what you make of it mm. so if you're the kind of person that is gone too far in, in into the egotistical narcissistic driven side of being an entertainer performer you're not going to enjoy performing the same reasons maybe you first started out as and i've seen many people I'm a professional stage manager as well. So often I'll do some really big high-end stuff that I'm not quite sort of being considered for just yet, although I'm definitely on the verge of that as I continue my career in the corporate world. And I see a lot of them will, you know, they'll show up, they've been paid far more than I'm getting paid right now. And they go straight to the green room, can only come out in the rehearsals when they need to, straight to the green room again, no interaction with the audiences, only following the script, only following what, and I'm saying, look, they're definitely doing what they've been paid to do. I'm not going to deny that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being critical in that sense. What really missing is that old school sense of really hosting the night, host being the energy, being the vibe, being the connection. And so every event that I do, maybe a wedding, maybe a corporate event, I love just getting myself immersed into mm-hmm. it all. And so I'm definitely not one of those jaded, oh, I've been doing this for too long because there are some people I meet in the wedding industry that are like that. There are people that I wish that really weren't working with me that night and weren't selected by the bride and groom or whoever the couple may be yeah. because they take away all the oxygen and energy that I'm putting out there yeah. by being real sad steps. Now I will say I've, I don't work with those people too often, thankfully, but, but definitely it can be, it can be, it can be tiring. It can be long. They're long days. You know, you're spending, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours, depending on what kind of you know job you're doing for the gig, you know, at this, at this event and you're showing up early or leaving at the end, or at least I certainly do. I, I do the whole event yeah. and it's, it can, you know, it's taxing. I get into my car, like, <laughs> you know, and people say like, Oh, how do you do the energy? How do you get in there? When I'm doing line dancing on the dance floor, or I'm doing my games and, and activities with everybody and all this kind of stuff. Like, how do you like keep going and not sit down? I just go, I guess it's just part of my cruise ship sort of deal where it was just, it was, we were going from eight o'clock in the morning all the way to 12 o'clock at night. Uh, but also just generally, I mean, if you love what you do, you don't want to stop doing it. And so for me, I, I have a really positive 
sort of optimistic and you know lively attitude behind it yeah. but i have seen people who are jaded i've seen people who don't match where i'm coming in i have to then sort of like do more in order to fill yeah. their gap that they're leaving but then i've worked with some people particularly in the most like couple of recent months i've worked with some extraordinarily great people from all different vendor categories and they've really inspired me like on the night we just get together and we're just <laughs> like it's all of us are contributing in our own different ways in a really positive way yeah. and guess who gets the best benefit out of it a couple yeah. and their guests yeah and that for me when I know I get in the car then the night and I go what a beautiful top 10 out of 10 evening that's just you know and then you know you get the review at the end you get the message that comes in the next day or whatever those are the, the cream of the crop you know cherry on top kind of things but certainly I'm very grateful for all of it just that trust to make sure that we're taking care of their special day is it really means a lot to me so now I have a very vibrant idea and feel about weddings yeah I agree with you about that if you Yes, you've got to be paid, you know, and that that's something that I struggled with for a long, long time, you know, asking asking for what I'm worth. But yeah. that that um if you when you love it, the money doesn't matter. Like it's it's it, it, it's out of the picture. Like it's it's transaction, it's done. But when you're there, it's it's the the vibe of immersing yourself. I think that's a key word. Do you, you know, and mm. I was listening to someone else saying um on a podcast the other day talking about um it wasn't immersing. They talked about, you know, deep diving, talked, but but for years I've talked about immersion, you know, and I mm, think that mm. you you that's exactly what you're saying. Do you know when you immerse yourself in the energy, you it's not work. Like it's not hard. Oh God, no, it's not. <clears throat> no, hard, like but- I can't even I can't even imagine doing anything else in my world at the moment. Yeah. Like it's it's people say, Oh, why did you quit the ships? Because I think, oh, you know, ships are just this amazing thing. And I say, you're not wrong. I still have extraordinarily fond memories and and and, mm-hmm. and gratitude towards the fact that I was welcomed into that world. Yeah. I've set a legacy of Princess in my corporate um time as well that I spent there. I've created some of the largest game shows that Princess is now currently wow. re-rolling out after COVID. So like I'm really proud of like the impact. And I've been able to say, yes, I left a mark on Princess Cruises yeah, forever. Yeah. And so that was fantastic. But, and I've got plans potentially down the line to also continue to contribute back with the capacity of my business now. But, but that being said, like, I know that I've just moved on to another chapter and now mm-hmm. have the ability to, you know, go all across Australia and hopefully internationally one day to, to bring my energy vibe and excitement and energy to the masses to make them feel like no other. And that for me is just, it, there's no other greater feeling than knowing that at the end of the day, you've made people's memories and they've stuck there forever can't beat it. We no, just can't beat I it. I agree. I agree. There's a lot of people who would say public speaking is mm. worse than death. In fact, most people say that. <laughs> like they, I, I actually think the only people who don't say that, well, apart from those of us who do who who, who don't feel it, but mm. you know, I think it, once you face death, you kind of go, let me review that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. actually, that's probably not. You know, that's probably not the best. But how do you like? How do you overcome the fear of speaking? Just from from your perspective, and I know you're not a public speaking coach or anything like that, but mm. there's there will be people listening to this saying, oh, God, I could never be like that. You know, I'm just not an extrovert. I blah, 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 blah. But at some point in time, every single person has to face public speaking of some sort. And I know they're, yes. not, I know they're not the MC or they're not, you know, doing some a great big host or something, but what's a tip for overcoming that? Or how do people overcome that? Do you do you know it? Do you know Yeah, that? I can definitely answer to that. And I've been asked that many yeah. times before. I think the first thing I like to say is, get out of your own head. And what I mean by that is, is that remember, you just actually, you kind of already just said it then. They're not the MC. They're not the host. They're not like being paid like you and I in order to, there's there's no general like contracted expectations that you must follow in order to justify why you're there in the first place. And so, and some of you may say, oh, but no, but the boss asked me to do this or whatever. It's like, at the end of the day, you've got to remember the context. You're not being paid professionally to do it. Yep. You're not coming in saying you haven't overpromised saying, oh, I'm the best MC in Australia or something like that. Yep. You're just being asked to do something for whatever reason you've been asked to do it. That's outside of your normal job description or role description. Or whatever. Yeah. So that what I mean by getting out of your head is, is just being aware that 
the expectations are far lower than what they would be if I was on stage instead. Mm. And that's great. That means you can take all that weight off your shoulders thinking (laughs) you have to like meet some sort of incredible deadline of, of accomplishments to, and, and sort of KPIs and achievements within that one little frame of time, because no one's expecting you that they're not putting you to that high esteem. Secondly, slow down. You need to slow down. And I know that's tricky because a lot of people's initial reaction is I want to either get over and done with, or just, I'm so nervous that I don't know how to regulate my own speech, but be, be being self-aware. And I used to do this when I was a kid, you know, I was, I was, I used to speak so quickly and then eventually I turned it down and I learned how to use speed as part of, you know, creating excitement or bringing, slowing it down and then bringing attention to certain aspects of my prose. But for you, who's just wanting to just get through it and be at least levels of successful through it, slow down because it's easy to get every word out and to say less words than it is to say a million things per hour with your head stuck down on the iPad or the piece of paper. And you're going to lose the impact that comes from it. Thirdly, because of the context of why people know that you're there in the first place, they're generally going to be on your side. So again, there's another level of confidence and, and sort of grace I want to offer you if you're listening is that, you know, people are going to be there to support you. And I know this happens quite a lot because professional MCs only do a very small portion of all the weddings that occur every year. So the vast majority of them are getting friends and family or the DJ MC, whatever. But for those of you who are just, you know, roped in as the friend or family doing it, you're, you're already going there with a, with a primed audience who are like so appreciative that you're giving it a go. As yeah. I'll say. Yeah. So they're on your side. So don't, unless you don't go in with this intent to like be the funniest comedian or to have to satisfy some level of thing you saw on YouTube that you think, Oh no, that's the ideal. Like for instance, don't watch my videos and try to emulate me. I'm just going to put it out there. Don't do that. Don't do that for anybody because it will set you up to be something that you're not. Yeah. So instead ask yourself, who am I? And then bring the best parts of you out slowly and confidently knowing that people are going to be supporting you every step of the way. And this applies even just like anecdotally when I'm doing um, introductions to speeches at weddings, for instance, it's the same thing there. I've had some, some bridesmaids and some groomsmen who've been absolutely terrified of it. And I do a couple of things, you know, obviously I'll give them a nice pep talk and say virtually all this stuff, but a little bit shorter. But then I'll also then get up on stage and remind them by getting the audience to give them like a really big supportive round of applause. And I'll say, folks, look, let's be honest, you know, uh, Sally, she's a bit, she's a bit nervous. And they kind of go, oh, you have to say that. But I go, no, 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 it's fine. Ladies and gentlemen, come on, folks, you're with me on this. Sally's going to do an amazing job, right? And we're like, and then they kind of go, oh, okay. And then they just do the best speech and it comes off and sure, they may be like, desperate to hand the microphone back to me like it's a like it's a plague you know at the end of it yeah but they did it so much better and they knew at least they could see visually and hear uh, audibly that the audience was on their side and that is almost always the case so don't get too in your head slow down and know the people on your side and be your best self and you'll be amazing yeah, I love all that, and you're absolutely right. And and the other thing is to the people people feel like everyone's just focusing on them and judging them, but but mm. hardly. And like you said, everyone's on your side. Hardly anyone's judging you. I also love that you said about um getting out of your head, and that's you know because when we're in our head, we've got this speech lined up. Do you, you know, and we've got to not miss a, we're, we're like robotic, you know, because we've yes. got to do everything. But if, one thing I always say, and it's exactly what you're saying, speak from your heart. Like, mm. what is your truth? Just speak from that place of, you know, and 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 you, you connect with everyone. I, I love it. So if, if anyone wants to do what you're doing, which is mm. next level up, um, what what does it take? What are the characteristics? And I'm saying that some are natural talent, you know, and that sort of thing, but, but I also think that you can learn, you know, you can learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, so hundred percent you can learn. I mean, I was not anywhere near the, 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 the stages that where I was at now when I first started ships and certainly before that I went through other degrees of stages of development as well. And so, uh, and I'm constantly learning every single gig, every single day. So you never get, uh, if anyone ever says to you, oh, and no, I've, oh, yes, yeah, son, I've, uh, I've, hit the peak now i know everything 
Yeah. They're rubbish no. because they're not learning anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How can they do it? Well, first off, I would say just have a chat with people, like actually like sit down off your time to that person and say, Hey, you know, can we get a coffee? Can we chat on zoom, whatever, and actually get the insights directly. I'd be more than happy to have had people in the past reach out and say, I'd love to pick your brain because you'd be surprised the kind of questions, if you really are passionate, you'd be surprised the kind of questions to come out from a conversation like that and and how to, to discover your levels of intrigue. And also what you're trying to do is you're trying to discover the things about that person that you like, that you can absorb and sponge and the things that about their style and personality that perhaps don't resonate well with you. So you can sort of discard. Mm-hmm. And what will happen eventually is you'll start to build this repertoire of what, how others are around you and what, how, what's made other people successful. You eventually then align certain of those characteristics and traits to your own personality and style. And eventually it all, you'll, you'll discover this beautiful treasure trove of things you're really great at Mm. that, that you can deliver on stage as part of your personality and things that you need to avoid that don't work so well for you, that perhaps work well for other people, but don't work for you. Mm. For instance, you know, if you're generally seen as like a really, really kind and generous soul that wouldn't hurt a fly, don't coming out and doing a roast yeah. is not going to work. Yeah. So, but you can only be aware of that, of course, if you make a mistake and do it and, you know, retroactively look upon it and go, well, that and it all well. fails. Yeah, yeah. 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 But also that brings up a second point about also, you know, making sure that when you, well, actually I should bring up one main point, practice, go and do yeah. it. Yeah. If you don't yeah. go and do it and you sit from your armchair times. and, you know, watching all the YouTube videos in the world ain't going to teach you how to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nice to get inspiration. It's nice to see what other people are doing. But realistically, the only things you're going to glean from YouTube videos is when you've actually really made it. So then you can start getting ideas of stuff that other people have done that you can incorporate into your repertoire. Until then, watching other people, it's not like watching how to fix a leaky tap and then you execute it exactly mm. the same. It's not the same thing. It's it's a semantic skill that really takes time by practicing and being immersed. Yeah. So look for opportunities to to do it. Go to your local Toastmasters and say, I want to, I want to do it. You know, if, if your boss says, I oh, look need for someone for the conference, go be the person that speaks at the conference. It's okay to not have smash out of the park, amazing gigs the first time you do it. When you want to, if you, let's say for instance, you've done all those things and you're beginning to, really start to, okay, no, I really see I've got something here. Then you need to make a decision about, you know, what your, you need to define what you, who you are to yourself and then how you can bring that to other people. So when I first started the industry in this, in the local industry back in 21, I, after my brother's wedding, I was like, okay, I need to define to the audience why I'm different. I need to tell them, Mm. look them in the eye and say, this is what I am bringing that is different from others you could pick out there. Yeah. And this is separate to, you know, setting up a business. That's a whole other concept. And yeah. I could certainly have conversations with other people for another time about how yeah. to do that. But just generally in terms of the on-stage stuff, it's about knowing what what makes you different, what makes you yeah. exciting, what makes you dynamic, and then being able to crystallize that in a written form so then people become interested and also how to actually speak it in on a video and then in, in person. Mm. Um, what else? And I think one other thing is learning how to communicate and be how to also connect with people in a pinch to do something that I do the best MCs and the best hosts out there, the old school cruise directors that I learned from were masters of remembering people's names, remembering information about them and never making it about themselves. It is such a fine line out there between looking like an egotistical so-and-so who only cares about themselves, only wants to put their, their best foot forward. Yeah. And making about, and then on the flip side, making it about their guests and making it about others. It is such a fine line. Mm. And the best way to do that is to not talk about yourself. Yeah. Now, it seems really tough because talking about yourself is super easy. You're the, you're the expert. You're the, you're the knowledge expert number one on it. However, no one cares <laughs> at all. And I know that's really hard to hear. It's really hard to hear now but i caveat that because some people say oh no i've got i've got a whole pit on stage where i talk about myself i think yeah i know that that's because you've built enough of a reputation that people are interested in you and there's a vested interest in who you are and so that people want you to unlock that as part of an exclusive expose on stage and i'm sure you've done this on your shows right where you've given a piece of you but they've come specifically for you so that's okay yeah as a wedding mc or as a corporate mc People aren't coming for me. They're coming for yeah, the charity yeah, we're making money for, obviously for the couple, whatever. 
Yeah. Nowhere in the description are they coming for me. Yeah. And so while during the pros of the evening, as I go along in my patter, sure, there may be like little quips here and there that I'll add as comedic benefit yeah. to something that may relate to me that I can anecdotally bring out. But rarely do I find those opportunities because I don't manufacture them. Yeah. And so if they come up organically, great. I'll say something funny. Like, I don't know, something will happen. Then I might make a little joke saying, oh, this is why I'm still single, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like something like that, you know, that's yeah, funny, yeah, yeah. but that is, it's quick. It's relatable. And it's not really specific. It's not, oh, let me tell you a five minute story now so I can get to the punchline. And the punchline yeah. is still me. Surprise. And see, yeah. here I am. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. So just go in being focused on connecting with the people around you, bringing the best out of them, endearing your audience, endearing your clients, endearing your couples if you're going to weddings. And you will get to bring yourself out through what you do. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're too worried about people having to remember that you're the number one and you're the one on stage, you're the one with the microphone, seriously reevaluate your position in this industry and what you want to get out of it because it's going to disappoint you the first time you work with a, a, a live band, for instance. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a classically trained pianist too, so I understand this. But like uh, with the first time that like, they'll get up there and they'll just do like a sound check, bring on the guitar, <laughs> all the people in the room like, oh my God, he's so talented. And I've been entertaining them for five hours. If you don't <laughs> like that, if you think that would be hell for you and you, you'd get a real sort of, mm, how dare they be good musicians and be liked for it. Um, don't do this job. You're going to hate it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a position of service. It's a position of humility. It's a position of constantly taking the second step. And the more that you, you do it in a, a natural and not a, like an overly modest, pathetic kind of way, like, Oh no, it's not about me. It's not about me. Like yeah, obviously yeah. not making light of it. You can do that and you're okay with it and you're good with it. And you can thrive in that environment. You'll go far. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think that it's just such a, I love when you said don't manufacture. You were talking about don't manufacture stories about yourself, but don't manufacture either. Getting up there being a show pony, you know, and making oh, it making gosh. it shallow, shallow and show ponyish. Like it, it, it's awful. I've seen people do that, and it's almost narcissistic. You know, it, it's yes, it's, it is. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think when you're talking about connecting, I I think that's a skill. But I also agree with you that if you it, it's connect because you care just can't care about the people in the room and it's i mean imagine if you're like um if you're going into a room right and uh this is so easy to find people can you can sniff it in a heartbeat that people are coming in and this is what i see people do who try to connect but they really don't actually care yeah, they come yeah. in and i've seen celebrity mcs do this i've seen comedian a lot of comedian mcs do this because they paid a lot of money just for their personality and for the fact they had a netflix show or whatever I respect that. I respect that hustle. But they come in and it's just like, um, it's like, oh, hi, how's it going? And you can see this person's like really wanted to talk to this person. Like, oh, 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 oh you're amazing. Oh, I've got to go, but oh, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. They, yeah. It's all these like emphasized like body language movements and like you're not talking natural. You're talking like you're talking to, uh, I don't know, like on a TV show, like you, you're, yeah. you're, you're acting it all out. And it just... For me, I just watch it all take place. And I'm like, jeez, oh, that was so hard to watch. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen that. So bad. It's awful. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there is hope for people who want to do public speaking. And, you know, it's, I, I, I I, I don't think it's worse than death. I think it's I think it's the most <sighs> fantastic thing on the planet. But um, I do understand that some people are scared of it. So, but thank you very much, Nathan, for all your tips and no, tricks and everything else. And it's been fantastic speaking to you. Um, I would love to see you on a cruise. And but you, we're not gonna we're not going to meet on a cruise. We're not going to cross. No, paths. unfortunately not. I'm not, not at least. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd be more than happy to uh, to meet anybody uh, listening and yourself, of course, uh, at any wedding or corporate event that I'm invited to perform at. So, uh, yeah. it's, and I've got plenty more ideas for the future in terms of where my career will grow. But uh, no, we would would love to to meet any of you listening to uh, to to be a part of my audience, just because I'd love to get to meet you, love to to get to know your name and to have you incorporated into the experience, no matter if it's a wedding or a corporate event or anything else in between festivals, like anything really. I just, I just 
just I just love when people get together yeah. and, and, a, and, a, and a good plan comes together nicely yeah. and it just makes memories. That is just the essence of life. We've been missing that quite a lot in the last couple of years, particularly when we really brought to the light how much human beings need that. Yeah. And being a purveyor of that, I feel really privileged and honoured that I was blessed with this on this yeah. earth. So just going to keep on doing it. And- no one can stop me. So. No, I agree. And if anyone's listening to this in the Sydney area specifically, but uh, any anywhere else as well, and you're thinking about getting married or you have a corporate event coming up, um, Nathan is amazing. So um, please consider him. Now, if people are considering that, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. So my my website is uh, nathancassa.com.au. Uh, you're welcome to find all my main social links is there. I've also got I'm continuing Next coming months, I'm actually going to be upgrading all of my, uh, I've got about 20 new galleries to post up. I think wow. more than 20. So there's a lot. I plan on putting a lot of content on there, um, even more than already is now. Uh, and uh, so there were more than and my YouTube page is also quite, uh, quite up to date at the moment with the number yeah. of my videos. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and I've just started Pinterest, although I'll hopefully have that more there's a lot of social media it's hard to keep up can't find me on tiktok yeah. yet i'm not sure if i'll i'll make that yet permanent or not but uh we'll see five social media pages is already a lot to deal with um but you know, yep. feel free to drop me a line mc at nathancasa.com.au that's my email address yep. uh drop me a dm on uh, facebook or instagram whatever it may be give me a call people don't call anymore so uh we'd love to have a chat but either way, if you wanted to get into the industry or, of course, if you are interested in me uh, transforming your event into truly unforgettable, uh, yeah, let's chat. Fantastic. All right, well, I'm going to put all those in the show notes anyway. So, um, and and they are all very active. Uh, I, know, I hear what you're saying about keeping up five in five uh, social media accounts. I, I can't do it. I'm just, I'm, I'm beside myself trying Too to do much. all stuff. I Too know. much. Then I've got my own website to deal with. And then it's yeah. like my, my, you know, the wedding platforms and then all the other like freelance yeah. platforms. It's just, it's a lot. So it's it a bit a of a machine. That's why I'm, I am grateful to be one of the only full-time MCs in the industry. A very small, small group of us who don't rely on a, a another job in order yeah. to supplement the business. So yeah. I'm grateful that I've, I've had the trust of many different, different uh, corporate and, and wedding couple clients in order to be able to make that possible. So thank you uh, for any of my uh, former clients. Uh, thank you for allowing me to get to there, yeah. but also for all my future ones. I look forward to the opportunity to making your special day and event memorable. And I know you will. It'll be bloody fantastic. So, and, and and he doesn't just turn up, show up and read the script. He absolutely immerses. So um, if you go, if you want a really good wedding MC or a corporate MC, or whatever else you do. Add the conga line. If you're on the conga line and the venga bus, <laughs> you, you want all of those absolutely cool things at your next event, uh, Nathan is, is the man. Nathan, thank you so very much for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you. Um, I, I'm, you still haven't convinced me to go on a cruise ship, but... Um, That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> That's okay. But, you 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 know, there's some absolute great advice there, at the, particularly at the end, you know, about public speaking and getting into this sort of field where... It's not for everyone, but um, there might just be one person listening who's, you know, got got that under in their mind and in their belly and got a little fire going there. So it's um really appreciated. So thank you very much. Really, I've loved this chat. Really loved it. Thank you. Same here. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. If anybody is listening and thinks they might want to become a public speaker or an MC or you know, wanting to, to to be a keynote or anything like that or a cruise director, um, you know, I hope that gave you a few tips and I hope that sort of inspired you to think, you know what, maybe I can do this. Maybe there is, maybe there is hope for me. And I get it that public speaking is such a scary thing for a lot of people, but it really doesn't need to be. And as Nathan said, you know, get out of your head and Speak from your heart, speak your truth, you know, and 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 people generally, they're cheering you on. So um, I reckon exactly what Nathan said, practice and practice and practice, and you can eventually get there. I love that Nathan talked about, you know, going on that, the cruise ship at 14 and experiencing this moment that was, man, that's what I need to do with my life. And that's the thing that I, I hope and pray that, Everyone gets to feel at some point and says, oh, man, that's the thing. And I remember my neighbour, Edna, playing guitar, and I was only seven, and I remember listening to a yodelling, and I was like, man, 
That's the thing. And and that feeling is so bloody special. And then if you can follow it, you know, and do stuff, even if it's just not professional stuff, just stuff that is is you're just doing daily or weekly or just having these opportunities to do stuff that makes you feel good in that space, then, wow, you know, it's well worth it. But and the other thing Nathan said too, which is really important, is is don't, don't bloody fake stuff, you know. Just be yourself and... I reckon if you're being yourself, you are, uh, I don't know, it's it's much better for everyone around you. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, hope you hope you do catch Nathan on a cruise ship or something else or corporate event or wedding. Now, if you're having a wedding and you live in Sydney, but you don't have to live in Sydney because I, I know Nathan will travel, but if you're having a, a corporate event or a wedding and you're looking for a great MC or a great host for that, um. I reckon don't go past Nathan. Check him out on his website, nathankassar.com.au. All those links are going to be in the show notes. But And watch some of his videos because he, he really is, he really is um, not only entertaining but really uh, engaging and really, really hugs, hugs the audience and makes it a special event, which I think is really important. So I hope he's inspired you to follow your dream a little bit more or have a crack and... Uh, go follow him. Anyway, I will see you next week. And thank you very much for joining me again. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com. Tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.